Ever had someone say that to you? I promise, gosh, if you get all A's, I'll extend your curfew by an hour. Or I promise to always love you. I always will love you. Or in my business, I promise to pay you back every cent. Well, promises sometimes are made with good intentions, but they're not always, not always fulfilled. Sometimes within our control, sometimes outside of our control. But we're going to uh, hear a little bit about promises today in the Word, but before we do, there are even some biblical promises that I guess didn't quite make it. Uh, first, the Old Testament Israelites who said not once, not twice, but actually three times, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. But they didn't. And then we have Christ's disciple Peter who declared, I will never fall away. But he did. Next, there are three easily made and quick broken, quickly broken church promises that occur, um, and, and not by intent. In our service book, where sponsors at the baptism of a newborn infant or a young adolescent child are there for them, the intention to serve this child as sponsors in the Christian faith. And it goes further, that is, they are, whenever possible, to witness the baptism of those they sponsor. They are to pray for them, support them in their ongoing instruction, and nurture in Christian faith, and encourage them toward the faithful reception of the Lord's Supper. They are at all times to be examples to them of the holy life of faith in Christ and love for their neighbor. And although many, many do, sadly, many do not. Second, adolescents and adults promise at their confirmation that their intention, by God's grace, to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully, live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death, and continue steadfast in the confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. And although many do, many fall away. And third, men and women promise that they're marriage. To have this woman or man, to be your wedded wife or husband, to live together in the holy estate of matrimony as God ordained it, to nourish and cherish her or him as Christ loved his body, the church giving himself up for her, to love, honor, and keep him or her in sickness and health, and forsaking all others, remain united to her or him alone, so long as you both shall live. And in addition to that, they make a following promise. I, whatever the name is, take your name to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy will. And I pledge to you my faithfulness. And although many do, Sadly, others do not. 
As we hear God's word today in Genesis 15:5, he's making a promise uh, to Abraham, or Abram, later to be Abraham. Look up at the heavens, he says, and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God had already made this promise to Abram once before in Genesis chapter 12. God told him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse them. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. But Abraham maybe really didn't believe God totally that first time around. Chapter 12 doesn't say anything about Abraham's response, except that several chapters later, I think it talks about Abraham built an altar uh, for the Lord. But it really does, he really doesn't say anything about his faith, his belief. In this reading from Genesis, we get a hint at what Abraham might have thought about God's promise that was made back in chapter 12. Sure, God had promised him numerous descendants of his own, but he tells God, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children. So a servant of my household will be my heir. God's promise sounds good, but just in case, I better have a backup plan of my own. So he made a backup plan of his own and made his servant his heir, just in case God didn't come through on his promise. And, of course, as sinful people, we treat God's promises many times the same way. We listen to the Bible readings during worship. We'll listen to most of the sermon. We hear God say, I promise. And then what do we do? We go look for a little backup. Jesus tells us not to worry so much, not to work so hard trying to secure backup to the promises. In fact, in Luke, Chapter 12, 22, beginning at 22 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you, your body, what will your body wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow nor reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your own life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his entire splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, and do not send your heart on what you will eat. Don't worry of eating or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows you need them. We know that God has promised everything that we need. We confess that God's I promise 
is real every time we say the creed. In fact, remember the explanation of the first article. I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and my soul, my eyes, my ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and this life. He defends me against all dangers and guards me and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For the, all this is my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. When we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we are saying that we have faith in God's words, I promise. But we are, again, so much like Abraham. We work very hard to provide some backup to God's heavenly promises. Who here today, if you think about your own closet, has more clothes in your closet that you might be able to wear? Or better yet, who here today, thinking of your freezers and your refrigerators, has more food than you might be able to eat? And who here today might even go a little bit further and think of your medicine cabinet and think about the vitamins and the pills that you have that your body will never need. That's backup. Each one of those instances are backup. And we all do it. It's our nature. Well, we all work hard to back up God's promises. And we make some assurances of our own making just in case. And it may be, quite frankly, as we have grown up, it may be because of broken promises. Whether we're on the side of extending that promise or the side of receiving that promise when it was broken. Along the way, something happens. And for example, that curfew that I talked about earlier never gets extended. That love of promise never continues. And yes, that loan is not repaid in full and not, in some cases, paid at all. And we know all too well what it's like to be promised something that never comes true. Think back to your childhood. Think back at a time when, gosh, what was it? That bicycle you wanted? Worked hard for but never got? Maybe it was that car. Maybe it was that red Dodge that Dr. Cald talked about here not long ago. You know, just there are different things in life that are promises, but those are material promises. God's promise is that we're always here, and nevertheless, God still says, no matter what we do in our sinful ways, I promise. Again, in addressing Abraham, God says in Genesis 15:5, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can, 
Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. Once again, God said, I promise. And this time, Abraham believed him. In Genesis 15:6, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. Through his word, God had worked faith in Abraham. He trusted God's promise. He realized that no backup was necessary. And just as he had promised, God fulfilled his promise. In Genesis 18, God promised Sarah a son. And in Genesis 21, Isaac was born. Through Isaac, God made Abraham the great nation for which he had promised. God's I promise was fulfilled, no backup necessary. Christ reminds us once again that his promise is true. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Christ promises that by faith. Our true treasure is the kingdom of heaven. Everything you need, it's yours. I promise, he says. Everything that's mine is yours, he says. I promise. Everything that is mine is yours, I promise. And the sin that keeps you from being strong in your faith, forgiven, is forgiven, I promise. Still, we'll be tempted to be go out looking for backup. It's just our human nature. Especially when the stock market goes down like it has recently or fuel prices go up as they have recently, although they're beginning to come back down a little bit. We just never know. But when life gets difficult, it's always tempting to fall into sin and try to create our own personal backup. We do that, I guess, just in case. But if it's backup that you need, the only backup you need is to turn to Christ. He backs up his promises with a sure and certain word and with sure and certain love. Love that moved him to put his back up to a cross as he quietly had his hands and feet nailed to that cross. Love so dedicated that he willingly laid down his life in order to take it back up again all to back up his promise that our weak faith and the need for backup are forgiven. All to promise that in the end, even after you die, you yourself will rise back up to join him in heavenly splendor and glory. All these things are ours because Christ has said, I promise. And he backs that up with his own precious blood. Well, away with anxiety, fear, worry. God replaces those with trust and confidence in him. That he will provide what we need. That allows us to focus our attention and our energies in his kingdom, taking our time, our talents, and our treasures 
and extending it. Extending it by inviting others to become acquainted with Jesus Christ our Lord. It all happens because God counts promise, believing faith as righteousness, realizing that we need his reassuring promises and rejoicing that he mercifully and graciously gives us those reassuring promises. I promise. Therefore, let's do three things. Let's thankfully celebrate the many promises God made, kept, and continues to make for our forgiveness of our sins, salvation, and eternal life. Secondly, let's repentantly review our breaking of promises, knowing full well that God mercifully and graciously forgives all of those and all of our sins. And then third, let's resolve by the power of the Holy Spirit to faithfully keep the good, right, and salutary promises we have made to God and to one another. God grant it for all the sake of Jesus Christ, his humble Son, our Holy Savior. Amen.